Tom, are you okay? I lost her. Her? She was going to be this epic, trilogy-worthy character. I was going to be the hottest writer in Hollywood. But I can't get past Act One! You need some writer's group therapy. Hello, and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers. Are you ready for your session? The doctors are in. And if you like what you hear, you can find us on writersgrouptherapy.com and also at WG Therapy on Twitter and Instagram. Also, our individual handles. I'm Tom underscore Loveman on Twitter and Tom Loveman on Instagram. I'm at Moonlily Music on Instagram and at Roshni Lumino on Twitter. So catch me up. I've kind of been uh, out of the loop for a month. I was on vacation. And while I was gone, my email blew up with a bazillion crazy things happening in Hollywood. Hollywood's like just bonkers these days. (laughs) I mean, it's bonkers all the time, but it's like really bonkers. Oh my gosh. It's it's perfect writing fodder though. I'm waiting for like movies of the week to happen after all. Yeah. Oh, the big movie about, you know, the Writers Guild versus the talent agencies. That's going to be a just a barn burner. Everyone's going to rush out to see that. that yeah. I was thinking more the uh, Lori Laughlin Felicity oh. Huffman scandal. But yeah, the college, the college scandal. We'll go in order. The, so probably the most important thing for writers, because it affects writers directly, is the Writers Guild versus their agents. Right. So... Yeah, and and I know neither of us are like in the Writers Guild, um, and we're only learning of this through various news reports. And I actually was on the Writers Guild website a couple of days ago, reading their side of the story, so to speak. Uh, but it's a pretty big deal, and it's been going on for a lot longer than just recently. It's kind of been brewing. Let's start from the beginning, though. What exactly is the fight about? Well, the, the Writers Guild wants all the agencies and agents who represent writers in the guild to agree to a code of conduct that would, you know, do what traditionally agents and talent did, is the agents represented the talent, and, uh, you know, that was their primary goal, and getting them the best deal was always their primary, you know, mission. Um, but things have changed in the industry where agents and agencies have grown to where they want a bigger piece of the action, I guess. And they do that by getting packaging fees. So if you're a big agency and you've got actors and directors and producers all on your client list, you can kind of put them all together and then go to a studio and say, you know, here's a project. You can go make this and just give us a fee for putting it together for you. Which basically they're becoming producers. Exactly. That that is what I understood from reading the articles. Um, Some actually are considering being like production companies even. mm -hmm. Which I, I mean, I can see the draw of it. If you're a top writer and they're constantly pitching your work and producing your material, but having been involved with agencies since uh, being a songwriter and being an actress, you know, really agents make money from their 1% and everybody else is a bottom feeder. So the little guy is definitely going to get shafted in that deal. Yeah. And that's kind of the agent side of the story is they're like, well, we don't make money off of most of our clients, you know? So this way by doing packaging, we can get more jobs for our clients and we can make a little more money on our end too. Usually when an agency takes a packaging fee, they, um, don't charge the 10% fee to the client, to the, to the writer or the actor. They 
they let that go. So, so they say, well, you're not paying that fee, but you know, it's good for, it's good for everybody. They're trying to say, but in the end, then they kind of become your boss because if they're producing a movie with somebody else, if they're putting a deal together for a studio, um, the studio's goal is to keep the budget under control. And they do that by paying everyone the minimum they can get away with. Well, the agent's job is to get you the biggest paycheck they can. But if they're trying to, you know, bef- you know, kind of get in good with the uh, studios, then they're, there's a conflict of interest. They're not always looking out for the writer's best interest. And that's the big crux of the whole thing is really you just create um, too many uh, ways in which the writers wind up on the, the short end of the stick. Well, they're also double dipping because they're, they're getting their 10% from pitching you and you, your project goes through. So they get that cut. And then they're also getting the producer's fee as well. So it's double dipping. Yeah. Which is exactly in the actor's world, something that kind of got cracked down on about two or three years ago with the casting director workshops. Everybody knew they'd been going on. They were happening for years. It just, uh, some people blatantly were double or triple dipping. And that's when the city got involved and started their little witch hunt on it. So you're kind of seeing it happen here and It'll be interesting to see because I even now uh, there's still in negotiations and you know it's it's weird it's like you're the writers are sort of fighting with the very people that get them jobs you know in a way yeah yeah it, it's 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 biting the hand that feeds yeah. you in some way yeah it really is but it, it you can see how you know there there I mean there's a legal reason why agents can get you work and managers can't. You know, and if the agents are, are, you know, serving two masters, they can't serve either one properly. So I understand where this comes from. And, you know, the writers want it simple. They want they want an agent who's looking out for their best interest and they don't want to have to ever wonder, did I not get that deal because the agent was trying to get a better one? You know, because there are times I've read a lot of anecdotes, I guess you would say, where, you know, a writer says, well, you know, there was a deal on the table, but because the studio didn't want to package it with whatever director or the agent also had, you know, they, the deal didn't happen, you know? So it wasn't just the agent trying to sell me. It was trying agent trying to get a package that killed the deal. I mean, I think though the other concern would be it can lend itself to play favorites because again, if mm-hmm. you, I mean, yeah, let's be honest your agent or manager is going to play favorites anyway, because if you're in that top 1% of money earners, they're going to be pitching you all the time. But it, if it sweetens the deal, like, oh, I really like this combo of actor, director, writer, you know what I mean? Like a new person might not have as much clout or maybe, you know, it's just, it's not, they're not pitching things fairly because like, maybe they're like, oh, everybody wants, you know, a, a rom-com with a, you know, black lead or something that's what's hot. Mm-hmm. And so like everybody else could just sort of hang whatever they write. You know? right. So I think it could lend itself to favoritism as well. Well, I, yeah, I, I totally see that. Um, I think in the bigger picture though, it's, it's the consolidation, you know, the, there's only a few big agencies left mm-hmm. and for the big, for the big players, they're going to be with one of those agencies and, but they can kind of call the shots because they're that big for people like us who are starting out or low to middle, of, middle, level writers, um, there's still a lot of smaller agencies that really 
aren't doing the packaging as much. They're really more, you know, writer focused or, you know, talent focused. Yeah. So it's not as big a problem for them. So whether they're going to sign on to this agency agreement or not, um, that's the question. A lot of them, it probably wouldn't matter because all they do is manage talent. So they don't have to. I mean, they could sign on to it because it wouldn't affect their bottom line because they're not doing the packaging. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the big agencies have become so big, if they want to keep growing, they feel like this is their only way to do it, to start being producers and to do all these big deals with studios. And if you have, you know, a quarter of the talent in Hollywood in your roster, you can really demand a lot from the studios to get those deals. So I guess it's going to be interesting to see what happens. We're, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of uh, update it. I'm actually trying to get a lawyer or someone from the WGA to come on the podcast um, and talk about this in more detail than we know. Although they're probably still, sh- you know, uh, shaking out all the details. So they don't even it's know. It's constantly yeah. changing. Yeah, it's a constantly changing yeah. environment. I do think, though, it kind of reflects um, on a bigger scale. Because as I mentioned, the casting director workshop scandal that kind of blew up a couple years ago. I wonder if it's kind of like housekeeping in Hollywood is happening, you know? Yeah. I mean, cause there's other things like, you know, for example, technically your managers are not supposed to get you jobs. They're not supposed to pitch you. They're supposed to shape your career, but you know, there are managers who kind of function like agents and people know that it happens. And, and so now that you hear like agents functioning as producers, you know what I mean? It, people have been kind of turning a blind eye for a couple of years on it. So I wonder yeah. where this housekeeping trend this, the hyphenation, yeah, yeah. You know, now that we got to clean the house and see what's happening, I wonder where it's kind of coming from. But it'll be interesting yeah. to see how it all shakes out. Yeah. Speaking of cleaning house, <laughs> the other big story is the the celebrities going into courts to be arraigned on you know charges of uh, bribery and you know fraud and these sorts of things trying to get their kids into big college well it's not okay so it's not just celebrities it's just we happen to know these these faces more than others so that story which i think that one broke nationally the the wga thing might be a, a regional thing where like people outside of hollywood are like who cares but the um college scandal is definitely something that has rocked the nation and so with that one um and i forget the name of the gentleman who had the um company that was supposed to help students get ahead. But I'm sure you guys have seen this in the news where rich parents uh, paid, you know, hundreds and thousands of dollars in money, in bribe money to various colleges through, through this gentleman, coaches coaches and and, um, recruiters and stuff like that through this, this gentleman's company to uh, falsify their children's, you know, athletic reports saying they were athletes when they never were or getting them better SAT and ACT scores so they could get in. Sometimes the kids didn't even know what was going on. And this story just broke uh, this last month. And it was like, wow, crazy. Yeah, the names you never thought you'd hear associated with anything like this, like Felicity Huffman and William H. Macy and Lori. Um, Lori Laughlin. Yeah. Lori Laughlin. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, you know, shocking and appalling. And uh, I I was just, you know, for everyone who's, you know, uh, wondering about this whole thing, it's I'm old. I've been around for a long time. And since I graduated college, the number of people that have asked me what school I went to is like no one. Nobody cares. cares. So I don't know why why everyone's freaking out over getting into a particular school. Just go to college, learn something and, and make yourself useful. 
I don't understand why people are spending so much money to get their kids who don't even know it or don't care into, into specific colleges. Well, yeah. I mean, I will say, like, I think, I don't know, it's not really a Midwestern thing, but I think especially in LA, there can be a bit of a, oh, you know, I need to get my child in that prestigious kindergarten. You know, it's like, it's a freaking kindergarten, you know, but there is a oh, bit of yeah. that in, in our culture here. So I can see why it would happen. But what, to me, the saddest thing about that whole affair is like, you obviously don't believe in your child enough to, in, you know, to instill in them a love of learning and to instill in them, you know, go after good grades and go after good, you know, extracurriculars. And you must think that they're really stupid because you're willing to do this because they can't do it on their own. That's really sad. That's really yeah. sad. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure that some of these kids, you know, actually do have the talent or the drive to get into college on their own. Maybe they're not going to get tons of scholarship money, but I'm sure they would be able to just get into even a community college on their own. And you never gave them that chance. I mean, talk about, they're like, what, 1920, they're going to be like 30 and living in your basement because they think they can't do anything, you know? I don't, that, I, that's how yeah. I view it. Like you're scarring your child for life by basically saying you're stupid. And I have, you know, because you're stupid, I got to pay this money. You know, that's how I look, look at it. And, and that that's going to be coming out in the weeks and months to follow as those cases go forward as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that I, I have a feeling I'm just waiting for like the lifetime movie or something, you know, like, you know, you know, Aunt Becky's fall from disgrace or something. Like, I'm just waiting for the TV oh, movie God. to happen, right? It screams like Lifetime special or something. That's going to, yeah. I did the, I thought I heard they canceled her, or canceled her on a Fuller House. I think they. Uh, I know that some of her other things uh, got canceled. I'm not sure the extent yeah. of, of how much oh, we're it We're usually not so gossipy her. on these things. Yeah. I know. It's just there's like so much random stuff. Although, okay, I have to throw this out there to all our listeners. If you can think of a good movie of the week title for what's <laughs> going on with the college admission scandal, please tweet oh, it at us. that's a good idea. We'll start, we'll start writing that script because there's got to be some really catchy yeah. titles. If we can get know? an agent. <laughs> I know, right? Well, you know, I mean, they're already um, putting out or writing a movie about the um, – the boys who are stranded in the the caves in oh, Thailand. Oh yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah, and and that's only been what like less than a year. So the, you you know by the end yeah. of the year they're going to have some sort of you know who's going to play Elon Musk so, in that? <laughs> I know, right? Well, hmm, who should who should we cast as Felicity Huffman and Lori Loughlin <laughs> for our for our really? movie of the week? Who's going to even want to touch but, that? Uh, um, oh, oh, there's man. still other stuff we have to talk about. Um, there's everyone's dumping on Netflix lately. Spielberg, Helen Mirren. They're all like, um, they were at CinemaCon, which is the theater owners uh, kind of convention recently. And, uh, you know, maybe they're just kind of playing to the, the audience, but um, you know, there's this uh, anti Netflix feeling in the cinema world because, you know, they're uh, like Roma was, you know, nominated and won all these awards. And people like Spielberg are saying, well, they shouldn't be allowed to, you know, compete in the in the Oscars because they're not in movie theaters. And I was kind of put back by that because, um, you know, we're filmmakers. We know lots of filmmakers with lots of great movies that can't get into theaters. There's like no way they're going to get into a theater. They're just too indie, too small. Yeah. And 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 they're you know, there's a lot of really 
big movies that get into theaters that aren't good. So why should the venue determine who gets awards and who doesn't? Well, you know, I, I don't know much about the Oscar system. I do know for the Grammys, there's a lot of little categories that people don't even talk about that you could nominate yourself for and win. And I would assume for stuff like the Oscars and, and uh, the Emmys, there's probably like minor categories that fall under the same thing. And really then the question would be, you know, does it say in the fine print that it has to be a major theatrical release or that it has to reach X amount of people in an audience? Because if you're going to argue it has to reach, you know, let's just say this is a low number, but like 500,000 viewers, Netflix has that down easy. It, so it doesn't matter that it's not a major theatrical sure. release. No. Yeah, well, the, uh, the Oscar rules have to do with, um, I think you have to be released in a theater. It doesn't say how big the theater okay. is, but for, I think, a week in New York and Los Angeles. I don't know if it's an either or or both, but you have to be in a theater for at least a week, mm. and that qualifies you for a theatrical release. Hmm. So it's not that hard to do. It's just that Netflix isn't built for that because they're, you know, they basically would have to be like an indie film person and go out and rent a theater for a week and pay for the showings, even if no one shows up. Mm -hmm just to get that qualification. Although they probably have the money to do it. Right. And I mean, now that they've established themselves as major players in the filmmaking world, I'm sure people would be like, yeah, I'll go see, you know, Roma or whatever for that week. It's doing it's the special showing. Why not? You know? Yeah. I mean, if you, you love going to the movies and that movie's playing there, you might. Um, but the, the theater owners don't really want to show those movies because they know they're not going to get a big audience because people on Netflix can watch it at home. And, you know, theater owners make a lot of money off of concessions. Mm -hmm. And if seats aren't filled, they're not going to make that money. You know, they're, they're sharing a lot of the ticket revenue with the distributor and, you know, the filmmakers in that case. It's not really lucrative to them to be renting out space to indie films. Now, there's the independent film, you know, theaters, independent, you know, theaters, the art house places that will do that because that's what they do. But it's not going to be AMC. It's not going to be Cinemark. But it just says theatrical release. It doesn't say major exactly. chain. I mean, I was going to argue, though, too. I forget the name of it. It's like an Amy Poehler film. It came out like four years ago. There was that model where they were releasing things on streaming before they even put it into the theater. So It was like same day distribution. Yeah. So but it was like, like if you, it was like $20, though, or something for the yeah, movie you had, to you have it at, for home. it at home. But like... You know, so if you're going to do stuff like that, then you can't bag on Netflix because you're using the streaming to still try to drive people to the theater. Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, right. that's kind of a, uh, whatchamacallit, not not backhanded, but, you know, it's just wrong. Because, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, you know right. what I'm trying I forget the word. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and there's bigger movies coming out on Netflix all the time. There's a new action uh, kind of uh, military thing with uh, Ben Affleck is starring in it, is on Netflix now. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the title of it, but, um, you know, I think it's based on a true story. Um, but, you know, these movies are pretty big deals now, and they're not going into theaters uh, because Netflix is buying them. And either they're buying them at, at markets or they're paying to have them made themselves. So, and I still think it just matters what's the quality of the movie. It shouldn't matter whether it screens on your phone or on a big screen TV or on an IMAX theater. Is the movie worth an award? And that's interesting that they didn't go after Amazon because um, Manchester uh, by the Sea yeah. actually won an award, mm -hmm. you know, and that was an Amazon film. Uh, maybe they're maybe they're slightly uh, 
you know, Amazon's a much bigger company that does a lot of things. Maybe they're focused on Netflix because it's just movies and television. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I think from what I understand, I, I think Netflix is doing better with their content. I think their content is more, more people like it and follow it. And they're heavier hitters as far as quality content. I'm not saying that Amazon hasn't put out good shows, but I think Netflix is probably the edging Amazon out. So maybe that's why they didn't really bring up Amazon in that. But I'm kind of like, when I heard that, I was like, well, but Amazon, you know, uh, Casey Affleck won an award. I could do a whole episode on what's wrong with Amazon's video service. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? It's like, if you're going to go after one streaming service, then hit them all. Don't, Don't just single out Netflix because there's other players, but you know. Yeah. And there's one less player now. That's uh, Fox oh, is now yeah. part of Disney. Yeah. Uh, everything except the news and the sports became part of Disney in the last uh, last uh, recent period here. And uh, and then the axe fell. Like they started uh, firing yeah. people at Fox. I was at WonderCon and the writers panel. Um, uh, there was one panel I went to that was. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember what the title of the panel was. There were four people on the panel. And uh, it was about animation, writing and animation. And two of the people weren't there because one was uh, someone who works at Fox and their boss said, you probably shouldn't go to WonderCon this weekend. Uh, so that person didn't come. Wow. And the other, the other person that was supposed to be there uh, for Disney actually got promoted. So they had to go to New York for work. So they weren't there. So we had only half of the panel there. Uh, uh, some great, great discussion about writing and animation from uh, some people from Cartoon Network. but. It was, you could see the immediate effect of that merger happening in real time. It was weird. I'm just laughing, thinking of like, how would Disney ever Disneyfy, Disneyfy, I guess, The Simpsons? Can you imagine that? I'm just, I'm just picturing in my head. Well, I guess we'll see if that anything, I don't doubt anything's going to change yeah. there. They're probably going to be left alone because they're so successful. And I was like, hmm, uh, how would the House of Mouse do that? What would that look like? Yeah. <laughs> I just wonder if there's going to be a, a fox character, like there's going to be a little cartoon fox oh, now. Yeah. I mean, but the, you know, honestly, though, the branding between Disney and Fox is so strong that even if they merge, I can't imagine them, like you said, changing the content. But I do think that would be interesting going forward in terms of what you as a writer, if you're pitching a, a, sh- a show that would be good on Fox, mm-hmm. because you're really pitching it to Disney. So what does that right. look like content wise? We really don't know yet, like how the development teams yeah. at the two companies are going to merge. Um, obviously, when these big companies merge, a lot of duplication gets, you know, mm-hmm. kind of wiped out. Because if they if they keep the branding separate, then you can write a show that would be on Fox. But if yeah. they don't, you know, because Fox is kind of edgy, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, definitely. So I'm just trying to imagine how is that would mean for anybody who wants to pitch a Fox type show. Like, oops, that's going to be a little different. Well, I think that's why they're going to keep a 20th Century Fox brand because uh, they can put certain titles under it and keep their Disney brand cleaner, I guess you could call it. Mm-hmm. Again, we'll have to see how that, that happens going forward. It'll be interesting. But for you know superhero fans, it means that you know some of the big characters come home to Marvel at Disney. Uh, the Fantastic Four and the X-Men uh, were both being produced by Fox. So now those could uh, get wrapped up into the Marvel cinematic universe there'll be lots of uh wondering about that going forward so that's hollywood wow 
That is Hollywood and wow, I missed a lot. So how about for all of you? Is there something that we didn't cover that you heard about in Hollywood that you would like to discuss? Oh, and also send us your titles for that movie of the week because we got to get writing on this. So yeah, thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next week.